Ben Harper brought out a song in 1995 called The Power of the Gospel. Some of you may have heard of it, some of you may not have, that's all right. It's a song that shows what Ben Harper believes will happen as a result of what the gospel does. This is what Ben Harper reckons the gospel will do. It will make a weak man mighty and make a mighty man fall. It will fill your heart and hands or leave you with nothing at all. I feel like I should have a beatboxer. It's the eyes for the blind and the legs for the lame. It is love for hate and pride for shame. That's the power of the gospel, he says. Sounds true, but is it? What, what is he actually saying the gospel is? This whole song, as you go more into the other lyrics, it's so vague, it's just, but we don't understand what he's actually saying the gospel is. Tonight, we are tackling how to view the real gospel. Gospel just literally means good news. So, it's good news that One Direction just broke up because they are silly and not original. That's not true, by the way. (laughs) But imagine, half of you just went, that's sick, that's good news. The gospel is good news. (laughs) Close one for some people. So, uh, I've done that. But what we'll also see tonight, we'll also see how to view the real gospel, but we'll also see how Paul shows love towards the Christians in Rome. So the first way Paul shows love is in how he prays for the Romans. Let's check out verses 8 to 10. First I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit, in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness, how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. See that? Paul loves these guys by just how much he prays to God for them. He thanks God for their faith. He prays constantly for them. He prays that he can have a chance to come and encourage them. What do you guys pray for? What are your prayers centered around? Don't hear me wrong. Paul also says in Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. There's nothing wrong in praying about the same things. But the challenge is how much of your prayers are directed around you or around me? Do you pray for others? Do I pray for others? Do you thank God for others' faith? Do I thank God for others' faith? That's the first way Paul shows love. The second is Paul shows love by what he wants to actually do when he actually goes and sees the Romans. Let's have a read of verses 11 to 15. I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now in order that I, may have a harv- uh, that I may have a harvest among you, 
just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. There's some tricky stuff in there, but Paul desires to make them strong by encouraging them when he visits. But he also wants to be encouraged by them. Paul wanted to get to them so that the harvest might happen among them, which I take to also be on the similar lines to that encouragement idea. But his reason for not getting there yet was he was obligated to preach the gospel to Greeks and non-Greeks, the foolish and wise. All he's saying there is he desires to preach the gospel to everyone. It doesn't matter the background. He wants to preach the gospel to everyone. And now, in verse 15, he's eager to get to them and share the gospel also. Do you guys desire to encourage each other when you hang out? Do you love each other and want to see each other grow in Christian maturity? It's good to have that challenge. And here's some ways you can do that. Chat to each other whenever you get the chance about how you're going with Christian things. We had disciple time. It's good to gather with those younger guys. But when we go and hang out later, it's good to hang out with each other and encourage each other. Pray for each other. Encourage each other to come to youth, to G-teams. Sing together. Read the Bible together. Like Paul, share the gospel with each other. The last point we'll deal with is tackling how we view the gospel. The true gospel and its power. Have a look at verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So in verse 16, we see what the true power of the gospel is and what it achieves. It's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Remember what Ben Harper was saying? It's so unclear what he's trying to say. This verse, verse 16, tells you exactly what the power of the gospel is. This verse also tells you, first to the Jew, then Gentile, which just means the gospel came to the Jews first, then it was passed down to the Gentiles. Well, what is at the core of the gospel? What is the central thing of the gospel? Most of you know it as this. Jesus died and rose again so that I can, be, I can have eternal life. And that's good, but... Why did Jesus die? Because we decided to say to God, we don't need you. And we want to live life our own way. But God in his grace, that is free gift to Jesus, sent Jesus to die in our place. God in his mercy, that is, forgiving us, even though we deserve death for treating God that way, sent Jesus to die in our place. That's hectic. Why did he rise? So that we can have hope now. How's that hope come? Only if we believe and trust in Jesus and in what he's done. And what does that achieve? That, that we will live forever in relationship with God. 
And that's what it means to have eternal life. That's the gospel. Paul understands it. He understands that he needs to have Christ to talk to God the Father again. He needs Christ. And so do we. We need Christ. There are two important words I want to draw your attention to in verse 16. Some of you will just have, I'm not ashamed. Most, a lot of you guys will have four, I'm not ashamed, as a reason. So the first word is for, and the second word is ashamed. The word for here is just with what he said before in verses like 13 to 15 in wanting to preach to everyone. So it's like Paul wants to preach to everyone because he is not ashamed because... Dot, dot, dot. He's not ashamed to tell anyone and everyone because it's God's power in saving people. But to anyone, how is it good news that a man died and that's the core of what Paul's on about? what Christians are on about. How is it good that a man died? Imagine me coming up to you and going, and you've never heard about Jesus or Christianity before, and I'd have said, Jesus died, and that's good news for you. Cool. Well, it's because of what that man claimed. Jesus claimed he was the son of God. He did die, but he also rose again. Because if he didn't rise again, then Paul's an idiot. And so are all the Christians who believe that. But if Jesus did, then he is who he claims to be. Paul isn't ashamed of it because even though it seems foolish and stupid in the eyes of the world, it's the power of God for salvation. Christian, Christians, Are you ashamed of the gospel? Because if you are, and we struggle with telling people, but it is the power of God to save people. You aren't the one saving people. God is. We're just sharing this gospel, this good news. That's encouraging, isn't it? Let that give you courage. We'll finish up. And we're going to look at verse 17 a bit more in depth. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Now, there's two views on this verse, on God's righteousness when it says that. So one idea is it's either his character, which is in the sense of God's justice, So it's who he is. When we look at the gospel, it reveals his character. Or, through faith in the gospel, we also, through Jesus, get his righteousness. We are also, through faith in Christ, righteous. Well, which one is it? The rest of this book uses similar language to talk about the second option. So Romans 3, 21 to 22, even the rest of Romans 1, 17, Romans 4, Philippians 3, 9. They all have similar things, and Paul is the writer of Philippians, by the way, as well. I've got further thoughts on this, but I'll talk from what most people believe it is, and that's point two. We, through faith in Christ, receive God's righteousness. 
This one shows the right standing point with God. Seeing the salvation of God, Jesus, believing him, and therefore God giving us Jesus' righteousness. It's like being guilty in a courtroom, right? So you're the guilty one. No hope of being saved. And then an innocent person who you don't know stands up and says, I did it. I'm guilty. The judge then gives you that person's innocence and you walk free. It's kind of like that when we get Jesus' righteousness. We didn't do anything to earn this righteousness and that's seen in the gospel. Jesus, who lived a perfect, righteous life, died and got the punishment we deserved. But God graciously gave us Jesus' righteousness when we believe in his death and resurrection so that we are now right with God. You see, the exchange was Jesus' righteousness for my, for our sin. Jesus took on yours and my sin for his righteousness, his perfectness. So if this is your first time here tonight, I'm telling you now, you can't work your way to earn God's righteousness. No one can. You have to put your trust in Jesus and what he's done to be saved. And that's the challenge for you, and that's still a challenge for us Christians. There's one word I want to draw importance on in verse 17, and that's live. The righteous will live by faith. Christians who now understand that they are righteous in God's eyes now live this life to share the gospel. They live this life in relationship with God and that is to trust and obey him. And it's not that faith is the work that saves us. There is no work we can do to save ourselves. Like God gives us righteousness, God also gives us faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Another cross-reference that you can check out later is 1 Corinthians 2, 12 to 14. Faith is a gift. Yeah, we struggle with living by faith, but that's why the gospel is central. Here's some final applications and I'll finish in prayer. How much is the gospel central to our lives? Paul desired it to be central for all Christians. Notice that he preached the gospel to Christians. It's the foundation of what we believe. So if we never preach the gospel straight away from it at youth or generally in chat, then we aren't continually reminding each other that we need Christ at the center of our lives. Now, it's obvious because of sin that we don't do that and, um, and we don't have it central to our life all the time. But that's why we have each other and God's word. Like Paul, we meet together to encourage each other and be encouraged around God's word. We love each other that much to encourage one another, to pray for each other. Youth desires to be centered around the gospel. Us leaders desire to be centered around the gospel We desire you guys to be centred around the gospel. So what's in the way? I'm challenging myself with this question. What's in the way of having the gospel central to my life?
as we go and hang out, actually we're going to chat straight after this, um, have at least one gospel-centered conversation. Encourage each other. Pray with each other. Pray for each other. Share the gospel with each other. Sing with each other. Love each other like Paul did. Ben Harper, I don't reckon he understands what the gospel is. Hopefully through God's word tonight, it was shown to you what the true gospel is and what its purpose is. That is, it is God's word of Jesus to save everyone. Are you ashamed of it? Pray for strength. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, thank you for your gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, and what that means for us. May we never forget it or be ashamed of it. Give us strength, Lord. May those of us who don't know it challenge it and think into why we don't believe it. Overall, Lord, may it be the central thing of this youth and your people. Amen.